0: come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to lliw.net to register. 3 nights ago this past Wednesday evening to be exact, I had a dream. I'm not always aware of dreaming. In fact, fairly seldom. The dream I had this past Wednesday evening was quite vivid. In the dream, my family of origin was together. My current family, my nuclear family today, was there and played into it somehow, but at the forefront was my family of origin. Mom was there, though she struggles with her health much these days. She was robust and vital And my father, who went to his rest in Jesus just over four years ago, was there in the dream, full of vim and vigor and vitality. I remember distinctly in the dream looking at him carefully, trying to take in the fact that he was there. It was a joyful family occasion. We were all playing a prank on dad, and there was a lot of laughter and a lot of enjoyment But the thing that struck me most about the dream was just its vivid nature. The following day, I thought a lot about the dream. You've probably had one of those dreams that lingers the next day and it seems to always be present, can't quite get it out of your mind. Well, that's the way it was for me that following day, lingering over and thinking through the joy that I felt in that experience. By the end of the day, I'd concluded that that touched in me something very deep. It touched in me a yearning, a hoping for the finally and fully realized kingdom of God. That day when once again we are in the presence of those who have gone to their rest in Jesus. A deeply held hope. Maybe you've had a dream like that. Maybe it wasn't a dream at night. Maybe it's a dream you have in your mind in your waking hours. A dream about being reunited with someone from whom you have been parted. Or maybe you have a deep yearning in your heart to have a child. Haven't had a child, and that's your long, cherished dream. Or maybe your prayers and hopes are for a prodigal child who has yet to come home. Or maybe it's for... A letter of acceptance to a program in a certain school or a job that you need to provide for your family. But somewhere, my guess is, in every heart here this morning, there is a yearning, a longing, a desire for something that you don't currently possess. It's deep and it's real. It's been the focus of prayers and the subject of tears. And then comes Christmas. And Christmas, for all of its festivity and all of its gaiety and all of the lights and the trees and the carols and the heralds and everything that goes on at Christmas, somehow deepens that yearning and the fact that you don't possess it. And so you come to this Christmas still praying, still hoping that somewhere, sometime, God will respond. And that long-cherished dream will become a reality. Well, if you have that experience in your heart today, I think that today's merry moment might say something to that. Those of you who have been worshiping with us over these Advent weeks know that we have been spending our time on merry moments. Those moments such as that young maiden experienced when suddenly God burst into her life and everything was forever different. A merry moment. Well, today we're going to look at one such merry moment in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. But before reading it, a bit of context. It's been 40 days since the Christ child was born. The couple, Mary and Joseph, come bearing that precious burden into the precincts of the temple. It is here in the temple that they will carry out that which has been prescribed by the law. We would compare it in our day and time to parents bringing their child here to this platform to have that child dedicated to Jesus. It was something similar to that in action, very similar to that in spirit. And so they come bearing that precious, heaven-sent cargo. They will appear before the priest. They will participate in the ritual. And they will dedicate this life to God. But they have two encounters on the way to the dedication. The first encounter is an aging man named Simeon. Simeon has been very open, very attuned to the moving of the Spirit of God in his life. And the Spirit of God, says Scripture, had revealed to him, Simeon, you will not come to the end of your days until you have seen the Lord's Christ. Somehow that day the Spirit stirred deeply in Simeon's soul and indicated that couple, that baby, that's the one. So Simeon comes to them, almost accosts them, holds that baby in his arms, and prays a prayer that indicates just how deep the yearning in his soul was. He prays and says, oh God, now I can die in peace because I have seen the Lord's Christ. The yearning in his heart satisfied. Well, it's just on the heels of that one, just on the heels of that encounter, that comes a second encounter, this one, with a woman. A woman, a prophet, named Anna. She comes right up, right after Simeon has finished. And I want to read to you Luke's description of what transpires. Luke 2, starting with verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She has been a fixture at the temple, has been there for much of her life, all of her adult life, not just months, not just years, not just decades, many decades. I can picture in my mind a tour through the temple grounds, somebody asking the tour guide, who's the woman over there? Quick glance, you mean the young woman? No, 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 no. The older woman. Her? Yes. oh. Well, her name is Anna. What's she doing here? Well, what do you do at the temple? You fast, you pray, and you worship. Has she been here long? All of my life, Anna has been here. And then some. She's there praying. Our our question is, why spend so much time, so many years in the temple? I think the text gives us the answer by cluing us in with reference to what she does after she has encountered the child. She says, according to the New Living Translation, she goes out and tells all who had been expectantly waiting for the deliverance of Jerusalem, tells them the child is here. Their long-cherished hopes Their fond dreams, their deep prayers, satisfied. Their merry moment. So you have one, a dream, a hope, an expectation. One about which you no doubt have prayed a great deal. What might this story say to that? throughout this Merry Moments series. If you've been joining us, you know that we've been talking to members of our church community, of our congregation here, talking to them about those moments, those experiences in their lives. It's really a privilege for me this morning to welcome to the platform two dear friends of mine, Eric and Tracy Sue. I'm delighted that they're here and that they've been willing to take some time to share with us this morning. Now, those of you who have been members of the Loma Linda University Church over the years know Tracy well. Tracy, you're a child of this church. You were born here. You grew up here. This has been very much your home. We've known and loved you for many years. And through you, we came to know and love this dashing young man over here, Eric. Now, Eric, you haven't historically been a part of this, but in more recent years, you have been and you come to us from another place, which we'll say something about in just a moment here. Now, Tracy, growing up, coming to adulthood, you had a dream. You had something that you deeply cherished and longed for and prayed for. Tell us a bit about what that
1: was.
2: Well, all my life, I growing up, I really wanted to be a mother and have children. I just knew from a young age that When I got older, preferably in my 20s, I wanted to get married and have children.
0: Very good, in your 20s.
2: In my 20s. And that's
0: how life worked out, right? No. (laughs)
2: God had a different plan. Okay. Because I didn't even meet Eric, my future husband, until I was 36.
0: Oh, wow, a little bit of waiting in there. And Eric was somewhere else. Eric, tell us where you're from.
1: Well, I'm originally from New Jersey. And we Is met Is that on, in Eastern California or uh, actually southern. <laughs> you
0: know, more southern. So from New Jersey, well how in the world did you all span
1: the distance? <laughs> we actually met online. Uh-huh. Um, Very good. And we began talking and just getting to know each other and eventually I moved out here in two thousand and twelve. Right. Very good.
0: And so what were you thinking, Tracy? Eric comes into your life, you all fall in love. There was a special day, wasn't there?
2: Yes.
0: Very special a very day. Very special day. In <laughs> fact, we have some pictures and of that. You we
2: were involved in that special day.
0: That was my privilege. We'll, we'll show you some pictures on the screen of a special day that took place over in Redlands. Isn't that beautiful? Even the guy whose head got cut off. That's <laughs> a real, that's a, hey, look at that. Isn't that a wonderful day? It was a day to celebrate and to enjoy a day. Oh, look at that. Don't, sit, don't keep that up too long now. <laughs> it was a beautiful day. It, was it really, day, really was. Day. And now, Tracy, it seemed like the things that you had held so dear in your heart, dreams that you had, might be moving in a good direction. Tell us what happened next.
2: Yes, so we started to try to have children. And I got pregnant twice wow. and both times lost the baby.
0: Mm. Ooh, that must have been a really tough time.
2: It was very tough.
0: Yeah. Eric, what was that like for you when that happened?
1: It was definitely rough on both of us, um, Tracy especially, but, you know, we prayed about it and we decided to just keep going. Okay. So as you're
0: coming out of that time of, of sorrow and sadness, you're trying to get your balance again, what did you do? What did you decide?
2: We decided to go see a fertility specialist, and he did some tests and came back and told me that my egg count and quantity and quality were not that great Mm. because I was much older. Mm. And I was a very high risk to get pregnant. So he said the only way that he would help us is that if we had an egg donor and a surrogate. Wow. Which I was not very happy about because I always wanted to carry a child and experience being pregnant and so forth. But
1: Mm. Eric, what do you remember about that time? Well, I remember um, it was devastating for both of us, but we decided To just keep going and and praying about it. And we decided okay, if we're not gonna be able to get pregnant on our own, we should adopt. And we decided to adopt, we were gonna adopt a a little person um, child from China because there's so many out there that need homes, love. So we decided we were gonna do that. Okay. So that, did that take some of the pressure they, you were yes. feeling oh, Definitely. Uh, a, like a weight was off of our shoulders uh, because we decided on, you know, this is how it's going to be. It's fine. We're okay with that.
0: I think you did something else about that <laughs> time, Tracy. What, what else happened?
2: We just as- accepted it, and we knew that adopting a child was going to take, especially from another country, was going to take about two years. Wow. So my mother suggested that in the meantime, we get a puppy.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. So you got a got a puppy, Eric.
2: Yes, our first child. <laughs> Eric gave me the puppy for Valentine's Day.
0: Oh, wow. So let me get the picture here. So I think it was in December that you got the news from the fertility yes. specialist. Yes. And then subsequently, we're thinking about other possibilities like adoption. And then Valentine's Day came and, and the puppy came into your life. And then March, what happened in March of that year?
2: In March, I found out that I was pregnant.
0: Is that a fa- Oh, my goodness. So here you are pregnant, what you had hoped and prayed and dreamed yes. for. Describe for us the
2: months to come. The months to come were very rough. I was already having a hard time, in at the beginning because um, my legs were getting a lot weaker and I was tripping a lot. And but I decided to pr- put off surgery because, since I was pregnant, I wanted to be I wanted to have the baby first and then have surgery afterward. And so I rode the scooter the entire pregnancy. I gained about fifty pounds. Wow. <laughs> I was forty. Let me see. I'm 48 inches tall, and I was 44 inches around, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
0: even touching that
1: one. <laughs> wow. It was a rough time. It was very rough. Months. Eric, what was that like for you? Well, we just tried to be safe as possible. Um, I tried to do as much as I could around the house, Uh Cleaning, cooking, laundry, everything, wow. just so that Tracy wouldn't have to worry about it and be, be nice and uh, calm and don't have to worry about anything. So I just made sure that she was okay. And that
2: I was never put on bed rest, but I was extremely, extremely careful because I didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize right. the baby that I was carrying.
0: So here, not just weeks, but months go by of extreme care as you move toward that date. Yes. Now, as you get close, Tracy, to that date, what's happening for you? What are you thinking and feeling?
2: I was just ex- very excited about that day. And I, it was just like a dream come true that I was going to have a child.
0: And there were also some anxieties in there. Tell us a little bit about that, because as you all shared it with me, it was it was some new dawning realizations for me of some of the gravity of what you were dealing with.
2: Yes. there. Since Eric and I have the... Uh, Eric and I both have achondroplasia, it's the most common type of dwarfism, and there's some percentages involved in having a child. So uh, <laughs> um, since we both have the same ty- type... Right. It's a 50% chance that the baby would get one of the genes from both of us and have achondroplasia.
0: So get gene that gene from just it's
2: from just one of one us. Of you. Yes.
0: Okay. And that's a 50%, 50% chance.
2: 50% chance. Okay. Then it's a 25% chance the baby would be average height and not get the gene from either of us. And then it's another 25% chance that the baby would get the gene from both of us. And only live a week or two after it's born. Mm. Never yeah. leave the hospital.
0: And that is because it's just it's
2: it the type the form of dwarfism combination would be so right. severe that it would just it wouldn't um, develop good enough. And right.
0: So you're you're dealing with some pretty deep emotions too along this time as you're praying about what will happen. Yes. It's hard to imagine a 25% chance that you won't leave the hospital with your baby.
2: We didn't care if we had a little person or an average high child. We just didn't want, it's called the double dominant child, and we just didn't want to have a child that would get both of the gene and then pass away. Right. I couldn't imagine going nine months through my pregnancy and then not being able to take my baby home.
0: Mm a lot of prayers ascended during that time.
1: Eric, I assume you were praying as well. I was praying for that, and I just wanted it to be healthy, just like Tracy said, and I wanted a boy.
0: (laughs) 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 So what happened? The day is finally here, and tell us the story,
2: I I had our son... (laughs) <laughs> Jacob, at 38 weeks here at Loma Linda. He was born at 11.05 a.m. And I woke up, I had, I had a cesarean section with general anesthesia. And right after he was born, they handed him to Eric.
1: Hmm. What was that like, Eric? I couldn't even describe it. We, we held each other skin to skin it was one of the most happiest moments in my life. Wow.
2: And then I woke up six hours later in the ICU. Wow. Because I had, I apparently had complications during my delivery.
0: So you're in the ICU, you're waking up, and you must be wondering about the baby. I,
2: I was so confused and didn't know what was going on. And they said that I had... A beautiful baby boy and he didn't even need to go to the NICU and he was in my husband's arms downstairs and that they would bring him up to me so they brought him up to me and I got to meet him for the first time and I breastfed him in the ICU wow
0: that's amazing Now I want our friends here to get a little perspective because this baby, um, pretty good sized baby, (laughs) tell us about dimensions, weight and length.
2: He weighed at birth eight pounds, five ounces. (laughs) He was 20 and a half inches long
0: (laughs) Wow. and average height. Average height. So he average was one of height. the 25%. He was one of the 25%.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. So you knew that you would be able to leave the hospital with your baby. Yes. Whether he had been in the 50% or the 25%, what really yes. mattered was, will we be able to take him home with
2: Yes, us? we were able to take him home four days later.
0: That's amazing. God, God answered our prayer. Wow. And you named him Jacob.
2: We named him Jacob. Little Jacob. His, also little Jacob. <laughs> his, his full name is Jacob Christian Tianyu. Eric's half Chinese and he's a quarter Chinese. And so we gave him a Chinese name. And Tianyu means heaven's blessing.
0: Wow. That's wonderful. Now throughout this whole experience... There is something that you have have reflected upon and walked away from this experience with that you have said, this was truly a blessing to us and for a specific reason. Can you share that with
2: our friends? Sure. Jacob is at, we believe, we came to the conclusion later that Jacob is average height because Eric and I have had many health problems and many surgeries since he was born. And we didn't care if he was little or average height, but if he was a little person, we would have had to deal with a lot of health problems, possibly with him. And we went through many health problems since he was born. So we believe that God gave us the blessing of an average height baby because he knew what we were gonna have to go through.
0: It's hard to describe to people here in the congregation the trials and the challenges you both have faced with hospitalizations and with surgeries. And so when you say, we believe this is God's gift because he's not also dealing with something, that makes a lot of sense to us. Now, Jacob is growing. In fact, Tracy, I believe you shared with me that you're 48 inches tall.
2: I'm 48 inches tall. And how tall
0: is Jacob? Jacob.
2: Jacob's 36 inches tall. <laughs> and he just turned two.
0: <laughs> wow. And we, we would like our, our congregation to see Jacob. And Papa's more than happy to bring him out and share him. You all know him as Milford Harrison. But he's proud, Papa, here. And he's bringing out Jacob. Look at that, Joker. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you could hear what Jacob said, but when he came out, he said, Hi, Mama. Hi, Daddy. And then he said, Hi, friends.
2: So he's got a lot of friends.
0: (laughs) What a beautiful testament to the grace of God in your lives, to the merry moment in your life and in your life. Uh, As you ponder all that has happened, is there any other reality that you would add? Anything else that you would say?
1: Well, I would say that no matter what, um, even though you might have a plan, God, that plan might not be the same, but God has a plan for you. Amen. Amen. And Tracy, I think Jacob knows
2: something
0: about loving God, doesn't he? Yes, he
2: does. He absolutely loves God. He, if we forget to pray for a meal, he reminds us to pray. <laughs> Mama, daddy, Pray.
0: Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Jesus And he loves Sabbath school. He
2: loves Sabbath school. That's wonderful. Sabbath is his favorite day of the week.
0: You're an example to us of those moments of which we wish there were many, many more of those merry moments in our lives when something that is deeply prayed for and hoped for finds its fulfillment. And we just want to thank you so much for being willing to share with us today. Thank you, you both of you. Tracy. For any of us who follow Jesus, we become used to waiting. Every human being has desires and hopes and dreams. But we, the followers of Jesus, know that at times we wait and sometimes we wait a very long time. But what Christmas tells us is that ultimately our fondest hopes, our deepest dreams will find their satisfaction in Christ. Just look at the biblical account. From the very dawn of the biblical story to our day and time, people have waited. Abraham and Sarah waiting for decades for the promised child. Moses following sheep around in a wilderness for 40 years, waiting for the time that God would work through him to deliver his people. Or join David running like a scared rabbit through the wilderness, hiding in a cave here and a cave there, wondering, but God, am I not the anointed king? When will that happen? Or walk into the temple precincts, and you will find a Simeon, you will find an Anna, who have waited most of their lives, praying and yearning for the coming of the promised one. Or even look at the overall story of Christmas. The story of people waiting not just decades, not just centuries, but millennia for the coming of the promised one. And as you follow the different biblical accounts, you will realize to follow Jesus means to wait. But to come to Christmas means that God guarantees that he will ultimately come through and satisfy our deepest longings. In fact, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews picked up this theme when the writer penned that chapter that has become known as God's Hall of Fame or God's Westminster Abbey, talking about all the people who had lived in faith. Listen to what the writer says with the backdrop of these faithful pilgrims. Hebrews 11:13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. For he has prepared a city for them. So it doesn't much matter if your name is Abraham or Moses or David or Simeon or Anna or Tracy or Eric. You have a yearning in your heart. To follow Jesus means that waiting will be involved. But then Christmas comes, a child wails in a manger, and God plants his stake as a guarantee of one day ultimately fulfilling our deepest yearnings. That's what merry moments are. And that's why if you follow him today, praying and waiting and longing, somewhere up ahead, Somewhere on the horizon is your personal merry moment.